Welcome back to the Lead with Levity podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Walker, and I have the pleasure of speaking to Mr. Jeremy Slate today. Jeremy is the founder of Create Your Own Life podcast. It's ranked number one before on iTunes. So I think you're going to want to go check out the show because Jeremy speaks to the highest, some of the highest performers in the world and finds out what what are they doing? What are they doing that we're not doing and helps the rest of us out with some tips so that we can be high performers in our own areas of practice as well. He's also the contributing editor of New Theory Magazine, as well as Grit Daily. And I've never heard of those, so I'd love to know, (laughs) Jeremy, in a second, what those magazines are. But I'm happy to have Jeremy on today because of his work with high performers, because of our focus this month on being yourself, walking boldly and courageously out there, and not letting your circumstances dictate how you show up. Being you. What does it take to be you? It's time for a sneak peek. Sneak peek, sneak peek. People that are top performers, they're also top people. And what I mean by that is they treat other people like human beings. They have empathy. They treat others well. Because you're going to see other people that do well, but that's it's going to be like a flash in the pan. Like It doesn't last a long period of time. And people that have been able to do it long and consistently, it's because they know how to also be a good person to others. So I think that first and foremost is a really, really vital thing. But I think there's several viewpoints they have. And now on with the show. When you're feeling the pressure, take a moment to step back. Pick up your marbles and choose to lead with levity. Join us on the Lead with Levity podcast for fireside chats that will fill your bucket and help you get back to being the leader you were meant to be. Now here's your host, Dr. Heather Walker. So Jeremy, welcome to the show. How are you today? Hey, Heather, I really, really appreciate you having me. And I will say like, as well for your audience, like how awesome of a person you are. I had originally like not thinking scheduled this interview on Memorial Day and you were like so nice to be like, it's not a problem. Don't worry about it. So like, you know, like they have a really awesome person here kind of leading their community. So thanks for your time today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So Jeremy, tell us a little bit about New Theory Magazine and Grit Daily real quick. I'm just curious about it before we get into any meaty, juicy content and all of the stories and everything else. Just can you tell us a little bit about those? So they're like entrepreneurial lifestyle type of publications. Cause like one of the things that, that I've done like throughout my like podcasting career is I figured out how to like syndicate episodes as articles on other sites, because there's a lot of content you can get out of an interview rather than just an interview. So I was able to connect with those editors right there for a while. And it's been a great experience. It's allowed us to kind of get some, some, extra eyeballs on our on our content and at the same time you know ex- explain our content in a different way since usually it's voice mm. and it allows me to kind of bring it to people in a written form thank you thank you for sharing i'm definitely going to have to check that out i'm always looking for the next best thing to add to my reading list so that's good to know that those sources are out there so jeremy quick question for you would you consider it riskier to be yourself or to go with the herd So here's the thing you have to think about, like, you know, people have different viewpoints on life. Some people think this is the only life you get. Some people think you get a couple chances at this one. Mm -hmm. Let's look at it as this is your one shot. And I think the thing you have to think about is, do you want to spend, you know, I think the average lifespan is like 72 years or something like that. 
do you want to spend that amount of time living your life for someone else and kind of not enjoying it? Mm. And I think that's the thing you have to really think about. You know, we, I love my parents dearly, but I chose my original career path because I wanted to make them happy. And I think the thing you have to think about is there's things society wants for us. There's things our friends want for us. There's things our family want for us. And a lot of that stems with, you know, things that they fear and where they don't want to step out of line or what makes them unhappy or what makes them happy. So you have to think about, do I want to spend the rest of my life living for people that aren't going to die for me? Because I guarantee you, if you gave them the decision of your life or their life, they're going to say it's yours. So you have to really think about, you know, what you're doing here and, and really think about this is the one shot I get at this. That's so interesting. Do I want to spend the rest of my life living for people who won't die for me? Oh my gosh. Most people won't. People will say it to like be nice, but if you get, if it comes down to it, most people are not going to put themselves in your shoes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting about that, it's one thing to hear it. You know, growing up, you hear, go follow your dreams, you know, get a job that you're passionate about. If you love what you do, you won't work a day in your life. But it really, it's, it's just a saying until you've actually lived it and experienced it and experienced what it's like to live the life that someone else wants you to live. So I feel like you've come to this, this sort of recognition through some kind of life experience, some kind of journey that has gotten you to that point to be able to definitively say, no, I'm living for me. I'm not living for people who will not die for me. Well, it's a couple different like life events. At, at 19, I tore three major ligaments in my knee, which is supposed to be a pretty surgery, but I tore my ACL, PCL meniscus. I had the same surgery Tom Brady had. Oh, man. And uh, it didn't go so well with the anesthesia, actually. They literally almost killed me with the anesthesia. And, you know, one of the things that was interesting about that is like, I think a lot of people talk about a life experience like that. Like I got last rights, like it was a, it was a, mm. a wild experience, but like my life trajectory and how I looked at it didn't change. Now, the thing it did teach me is it taught me a lot about people because I was in the hospital for three days, like literally on life support mm -hmm. and the friends I hung out with all the time, none of them came to visit me. Mm. So it taught me a lot about like choosing your friends and, and things like that, which is one really big part of that. But there, there was another experience when I was 24, my mom had a really, really bad stroke and it made me look at a lot of things in my life. And I'm like, you know, like if I was to die right now, mm -hmm. would I be happy with this? And when I looked at it, I was like, no, like I, I would not. And I, and I think for me, that was a massive turning point. I quit my teaching job at that moment. I didn't know how I was going to make money and I was willing to figure it out. But there was another thing as well, because there's life experience and there's also how you channel it. I had read a book a number of years ago, and this is the book I recommend the most. It's like, a, I actually just got a feedback from a listener on this one the other day. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I read this book. Thank you so much. But it's called So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. Ah. And the title comes from Steve Martin autobiography. They asked Steve Martin, they're like the, the actor, they're like, what makes you so good, Steve? And he goes, you know, I was just willing to work on it until I was so good they couldn't ignore me. So <laughs> what happens is you learn a little bit about life. Like passion is good and it's important to be interested in things, but those things you're passionate about need to produce revenue and need to produce income and need to produce money so you can keep doing that. So it's the idea of finding something you're good at and continuing to work at it until you become passionate about it and that's how you become so good they can't ignore you. So to me, it was several life experiences, but also the right, I guess, kind of words to channel them, if that makes sense. So for you, it, it would be starting with what you're good at, 
and then the passion comes after that? Yeah, I, I think because I, I'm 35. So I think my my generation the, the is kind of millennial generation. And I think, you know, we've looked at significance and stuff like that, which I think is important. But I think there's too many people that in finding their passion go into inaction. Mm-hmm. And finding your passion is just that. It's finding your passion. So you have to do things to figure out what you're passionate about. And sometimes you're going to do some things you like, and sometimes you're going to do some things you don't like. And that's fine. There's There's other things you can keep trying. But you find something that naturally aligns with your skill set and you continue to work on that thing and work on that thing and work on that thing and it becomes effortless what happens is you get into what i call the no effort zone Mm -hmm. where it becomes enjoyable and fun and you can create a lot of cool things with it but it has to be alignment between general likingness and ability to produce something right right i i think in the psychology circles we'd call that the flow state so you're working on something that it's so natural and so ingrained in you you're you almost lose track of time when you're working yeah so you said something earlier about if i were to die right now would i be happy with where i'm at what i'm doing (laughs) what i've accomplished and the answer is no what criteria did you use at that time and do you still have that same criteria how do you judge? How do you That's judge re- that? It is really hard, Heather. <laughs> it is super hard. And, and, here's, and here's why, right? Because if you look at it, most people would base it on money and they'd base it on achievement. I think those things are important to a point. But here's the thing I look at, you know, at that point in time, did I have a career I was happy with? No. Did I have a career I enjoyed? No. Did I have a, like, if I was going to work every day, like now I could be working on a project. I can lose track of time and I can just keep going because mm-hmm. I love what I do. And I think that's one part of it. But here's the other part of it. Um, I also have, you know, a, a, a wife that I love so much and two beautiful daughters that, you know, make my life very full. So I think as well, if you have to look at it as a as a person, right, we have this and with a psychology background, you'll get this. We have these different areas of life in which can, we can be happy. Right. We have the groups we're a member of. We have our family. We have ourselves. We have us spiritually. And I think when you're doing well in a lot of those areas, to me, that's what I judge success by. Like, yeah, money and stuff like that's great. But if you're not doing well personally, like let's say you have a drinking problem. Well, you're not doing well personally. That's something we need to handle. Let's say you're not getting along with your kids. You're not doing well in that area. So I think if you're doing well in most of the areas of your life, to me, that's what success looks like. Yeah, yeah. And because this is the Lead with Levity podcast, I have to ask, I have to ask, how how did your sense of humor help you get through those times and how does it factor into how you see the world? I don't take life that seriously. I don't know if that sounds like a good thing or a bad thing, but I think like the more seriously you take things, the harder they get. Mm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just like not a very serious person. Like my wife is my business partner. And oftentimes, you know, you have things in business which are difficult, like a, a key team member leaves or, you know, an income can drop. It can go up, whatever it may be. And some of those experiences, like they feel like they could be the end of the world in that moment. Right. And, you know, every time we look at each other, and we go, but did we die? Well, no. OK, good. We're doing OK. <laughs> so I think it, it's how you can look at things and a little bit of insouciance or a little bit of being silly is going to make a life a whole lot more to get through, right? Because I'm a big believer of, you know, what you put your attention on, you get more of. And, you know, you want to be negative, you're going to find a lot more negativity in your life. It's, it, it, let's say you look at two people, right? right? And they both walk into a town and one person walks in that town and he says, man, I love people. He finds a dollar on the ground. He's walking down the street, somebody invites him in for a drink. The other guy walks into town, everything's negative for him. Gets a flat tire, 
a cat runs in front of his car. All these bad <laughs> things happen to him. If bad. you're looking for bad things, you're going to find them. So have a little fun. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it's the law of attraction. You know, you're even when good things happen, you're not going to see them. You're not going to recognize them if you're looking at everything from that negative lens. And you're just going to get more of that. You know what I right. mean? If you want to spend your time and your energy in, the, in that area, you're just you're going to get more of it. So, like, why not get more fun and happiness? I love that, by the way. And I just want to share with our listeners today a quote from your book. So for those of you who are tuning in today, Jeremy has a book out that you can get. It's called Unremarkable to Extraordinary. And I just want to read this quick quote for you. It's the single greatest component to being an extraordinary human being is courage. For one to be great, one must embrace the fear and conquer it. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I want to talk to you about that today because we are focusing in on self-expression. And self-expression, I'm finding, requires a little bit of courage. So can we talk about courage, the ingredients for courage today? Is is that okay, Jeremy? Can we dive into that? Yeah. I think it takes a lot of bit of courage, frankly, because here's the thing you have to look at is, number one, like, we're all different. and. Yeah you have to look at courage really as a scale, right? Because like what may be courageous for me may not be courageous for you. Like I can't swim. I'm going to be hundred percent honest with you. And it's pretty pathetic to watch. So it takes courage for me to go in something deeper than five feet. Mm. You have to look at courage as different for everybody. I think that once you understand that, you know, you can't look at somebody and be like, what do you mean you can't do that? Where, where's your courage? Well, Hey, what's harder for me may be easier for you. Right. So I think that perspective is really important up front. But courage is, is a very interesting thing because I think oftentimes people look at it, you know, they look at it like somebody charging into battle and, and putting it all at risk. And that's courage. And it is. But the thing you have to take a look at is for a lot of us, you know, courage may be walking up to five people and talking to them. It may be, you know, starting a new business. It may be finding that new job. It may be deciding it's not OK for your boss to treat you like that. And you're going to say something about it. So you have to figure out what courage for you is. And courage is often those things, having courage is often doing those things that make us uncomfortable. So you have to figure out that balance between comfort and discomfort and lean towards more things that kind of make you sweat a little bit. And I think when you do that, courage is much, is is like a muscle. The more things you don't, you do that are hard for you, the easier they get. And, you know, for me, when I was first a teacher, I had 180 slides in my first presentation for my class because I was nervous as heck to talk in front of them. Uh-huh. So I was like, I can't have any dead space. Right. These slides are going to handle that. Because of that, they were unruly and sleeping. It was kind of a, a weird mix. At the mix. same time. But <laughs> yeah. at the same time. I had sophomores, so you can, you can totally understand that. Uh-huh. But now I've spoken in keynotes all over the world in front of you know hundreds and thousands of people. I couldn't have done that before, but it's you know, continually going on interviews, continually talking to people, continually doing things that that make me uncomfortable. And then before you know it, you're in front of a group and you're like, I feel at home here. Mm. So you have to be willing to continue doing those things until you kind of, if this makes sense, kind of get like the button flat on it. Does that that make sense? I don't know what you mean by the button flat. What is that? So like, (laughs) so like, okay, so let's say you ever heard the phrase like, oh, they have a button on that. Okay. So like, it's when something like bothers you or, or sets you off or whatever. Eventually, if you do it enough times, you don't have a button on that anymore because you, you, you get flat on it, right? The button's ah. pressed down. So you're like, oh, I'm good. So oh. it's like, it's kind of the more times you do something, the less it hurts, if that makes sense. Yes, that makes perfect sense. Okay, good. That's a little bit easier. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, in, in my household, and I have a young one myself, so all of my vocabulary oh. and all of that is just kid speak. I can't even use regular adult words anymore. Mine is eight. And oh, I have so, a one-year-old and a three-year-old. It is quite interesting. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Oh. My, my, my three-year-old is three going on 11. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hang in there. Hang in there. You, you've got a couple more years and then it gets really fun, especially when they start to read and, and do all of those things. And in my house, we say practice makes progress. So of course, it's going to be hard when you first try and you first, you're like, oh, at one point in time, I'm constantly telling my kid this. At one point in time, you didn't even know how to walk. And you kept trying and you kept trying. And before you know it, you were able to walk. At one point in time, you didn't know how to read. And now you know how to read. I'm constantly reminding her of all of these things that she didn't know how to do just a year ago or two years ago. And now she can do them fluently and with ease and all of that. And and it's important. One thing that's really cool about being a parent is you get to see the struggle. And you get to see that you can't have the glory without the struggle. It, it just doesn't happen that way. And so, so you start to appreciate the struggle just a little bit more because you need it to get to that other side. I think that is such a vital thing that you do, Heather. It's, it's because here's the thing, like, and this is like kids, adults, everybody, like we have a tendency to dwell on the losses mm. and forget about the wins. And if you can remember all the little wins, like you're talking about with your kids, like it becomes so much easier to win because you're not forgetting like, oh, well, this didn't work out and that didn't work out. You know, like, oh, it's just not going to work out. Right. You know, you got wins every day and sometimes it's just getting up and making your bed. But if you can find those things, it's it's a lot easier to redirect your attention. And, you know, may, may all of your listeners out there have the courage of a three-year-old. I, I will just say that. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I admire them every single day. <laughs> One thing that I'm wondering about as well is you've been having these conversations with high performers. And you've actually distinguished the highest of the high performers that are out there, peak, peak level people. And, you know, here on the Lead with Levity podcast, our, our listeners are leaders, they are high performers themselves. But we're talking about those, the top 1%, right? So I'm wondering what differentiates the top 1% from everyone else? So I, I think one thing that's kind of an important caveat to this, like people that are top, that are like top performers, they're also top people. And what I mean by that is they treat other people like human beings. They have empathy. They treat others well, because you're going to see other people that do well, but that's, it's going to be like a flash in the pan. Like it doesn't last a long period of time. And people that have been able to do it long and consistently, it's because they know how to also be a good person to others. So I think that first and foremost is a really, really vital thing. But I think there's several viewpoints they have. There's one of how they approach adversity. Many people, they look at adversity and they kind of approach it in a couple of different ways. There's one that says, you know, poor me, I'm the victim. They're kind of like, like Eeyore from Winnie mm-hmm. the Pooh. Like no, nobody notices me. <laughs> There's another that's like, that's really scary. It's much easier to sit in my couch and watch TV and drink beer. Mm. There's another person that says, okay, that looks kind of scary. Let's sit here, collect our thoughts for a second, and we're going to run right at it. And that's what extraordinary people do because they figure out the number of times I can go through something. I'm going to come out the other side different, and I'm going to come out the other side improved. But they have difficult things in their life. They have struggles in their life, but they're better because of it. And I think when you can approach it that way, you're going to approach a lot of things in, in your life differently. So that's one thing that's a really key component about them. Another is that they are, you know, thinking that 
getting something out is better than having it perfect, right? Done mm. is better than perfect. There's so many people that focus on like, you know, the color has to be right. Plan has to be <laughs> right. right. And the connections have to be right. And you know what happens? The other person got it out. Sure, they messed it up, but they're on version three and you're still trying to figure out how to do it and you're never going to do it. Exactly. So you have to just be willing to just get things out there sometimes. Another really vital thing is as well is how they approach leadership. They're approaching leadership is something that is they need feedback from others. Like they need to know how it's going. I was telling you before we got started here that I'm actually really bad at feedback and it's something I've consistently tried to improve on. And I'll tell you what, how my team improves or my team has improved since I've gotten better with taking feedback mm -hmm. because I can actually help them. But like how they look at leadership is they go for feedback. They are personally always growing because they realize the better they are, the better the people are around them. So there's a lot of components around it. But if I had to look at some really, really core ones, those are a few things they're really, you know, nailing down consistently. Okay, so you brought it up a couple times. So I have to ask you, because this is something that a lot of people struggle with. Honestly, there are a lot of people out there who are allergic to feedback, and they need help. They need a little Claritin, they need a little support. So Claritin. <laughs> right. I'm gonna have to come up with a fun, a fun drug name for whatever you would take so that you can accept feedback. Now, what have you done to help your team help you with feedback? Because you mentioned, I think you alluded to something. Well, I, I think, frankly, you kind of have to get some tough love. And it hasn't really come from my team. It's more come from, you know, my wife is my business partner. So, you know, she's been really good at kind of communicating things to me the way that I need to hear them. Mm. So I think that, frankly, is important is having that person that can say to you whatever needs to be said in a not hurtful way. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, we always say what's on our mind, but we're not saying it to hurt the other person. I've met a lot of people that don't do it that way. And mm -hmm. I think because of that, that's helped me personally be uh, with how I approach things. It hasn't really been something my team has done, but it's been how I've changed based on feedback I've really gotten from my wife and then some of my closest friends. Because oftentimes, you know, I'll write an article and then I'll get feedback about it and they'll be like, well, it's terrible. And I'll be like, what do you mean it's terrible? This is the article ever written. I just spent hours on that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so like I've personally really struggled with that. You know, frankly, you mentioned the book. I actually wrote that book twice mm. and I didn't take it well when, you know, I read it, had a couple other people read it and they're like, this isn't very good. Mm -hmm. So I actually rewrote the entire book. Wow. So for me, the book itself was a transformative process of realizing like, okay, sometimes you just got to get over yourself because a lot of it, there's two parts to it. One part about it is pride, right? Like mm -hmm. we like the things we make, we like how we do things. And you know, that's true. The other part about it is fear. We yes. don't like people not liking us. We don't like people not being accepting of what we have to do. So you have to just kind of swallow your pride and, you know, approach the fear and you're going to be able to take that feedback better. That's at least what's worked for me and, and how I've approached it. Oh, I love it. So what I'm hearing is that ultra high performers are not going and ordering something secret off of the Starbucks menu. They're literally what there is a secret <laughs> Starbucks menu. Trust me, my is wife there... is really good at ordering from it. OK, we will talk about that after the episode because I will need to know. <laughs> But, but it sounds like what's differentiating them is a lot of mindset stuff. So it's how they approach adversity, how they think about challenges, being willing to go out there and being okay with messy action because they know that it's going to be messy at first and they, they can take some time to clean it up. They can get feedback and they can get better faster if they go ahead and jump in, even if they're afraid. So they jump in and then... They are always looking for opportunities to grow and get better. Yes. So it, this has been such a wonderful conversation, Jeremy. 
I really do appreciate you sharing all of the insights with us today about how we can go boldly and be courageous out there in our respective fields. If anyone wants to learn a little bit more about you or the resources that you have available, your podcast even, where should they go? So they can check me out at, at jeremyryanslate.com and they can find information about me and my company and everything out there. But if they want to go grab the book, which is actually coming out on June 21st, so we're getting super close now, they can head over to getextraordinarybook.com. They can pre-order over there. And when they do and they come back with their order number, we will give them a free version of the audiobook as well as our guide of 30 Days to Extraordinary. So that's over at getextraordinarybook.com. Getextraordinarybook.com. We'll have links to that in the show notes. For those of you who are interested in checking it out, Jeremy, I hope that you have a wonderful day. Take care. Hey, thank you for having me, Heather. This is awesome. Thanks for tuning in to the Lead with Levity podcast. To get resources mentioned in this episode and find out what we're all about, check us out at leadwithlevity.com.